You're listening to a podcast of Master Your Finances with me, Kurt Baker, a certified financial planner professional. Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. on 1077thebronc.com. Another day, another dollar, and our certified financial planner professional, Kurt Baker, will give you the tips you need to turn that single into a sea of green with Master Your Finances. Whether you have enough to get by or too much in your pockets, Kurt Baker and his weekly guests are here to show you how to manage it all. Master Your Finances is underwritten by Certified Wealth Management and Investment, LLC. Now listen up, because it's time to get a hold of those money matters and master your finances. Welcome back to another edition of Master Your Finances. I am Kurt Baker, certified financial planner professional. Uh, located in Princeton, New Jersey. I can be reached uh, through our website, which is www.cwmi.us, or you can call me directly at 609-716-4700. And this week, we are very pleased to have with us uh, an expert, uh, David uh, Vinokurov, who is a responsible, highly organized, and self-motivated individual with 27 years of experience with the Social Security Administration and current board member of NJCFE, the New Jersey Coalition for Financial Education. David works as a customer outreach specialist with a large utility company. Recently, David started a private consulting business called Social Security Navigator. David assists clients with all their Social Security, SSI, Supplemental uh, Security Insurance, Medicare, and Medicaid questions. He is also an expert on NJ Able accounts. Uh, he is a compassionate, empathetic, and resourceful individual with the ability to interact with people from a diverse uh, backgrounds and is able to work under pressure. He has an excellent communication skills, proficient social media skills, and uh, great persuasive skills as well. David, I appreciate you coming on. I know I heard a, a presentation at one of the conferences here recently that we had uh, one of the uh, 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 boards and it, it was very in, interesting to me and it's an area that I think is um, underserved a little bit. There's a lot of benefits out there that I believe those in need may not be aware of and those of us who are kind of in the industry that might come across people that might benefit from these different programs uh, aren't really well educated on it. So I, I think it's really kind of interesting from a lot of respects. So I appreciate you coming on and discussing this and I, I guess first of all, how did, how did you kind of um, you know get involved in, in this business area? You know, you worked for the Social Security Administration for a little while, so how was that and then how did that transfer into kind of what you're doing today? Well, uh, obviously Social Security Administration, one of its uh, major focuses is dealing and assisting people with disabilities. Um, so a lot of folks that have disabilities, whether it's uh, SSI or SSDI that came through the doors, uh, are able to take advantage of what we're going to be talking about uh, for this hour. So, uh, And the other reason is really personal. I have a autistic daughter uh, that um, I started researching ABLE for, and that's how I became a big believer in um basically providing information to the general public about NJ Able account. Well, that's great. So essentially, I have a personal story. You, you've come across and you say, hey, look, I've learned some information that's going to be valuable to others. And it's great that you, with your background in the Social Security Administration and, of course, your personal experience, kind of putting all that all together and taking that information that you've learned and, and helping the rest of us out there that might benefit from the program to kind of benefit from it. So I guess we'll just start talking about some of these different programs. I know you have a lot of interesting programs. Maybe we'll start about this this ABLE Act. I mean, how does you know what is it and, and how does that apply? Why should people be aware of it? Well, I, again, first of all, thank you again, Kurt, for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. 
um, and, uh, you know, a little about ABLE Act and ABLE Accounts. It, it's basically giving people with disabilities the ability to save. For many, many years prior to the uh, enactment of ABLE Accounts, um, people with disabilities that had um, – uh, that were receiving some type of government means-tested benefits were stuck in a, a cycle of poverty. This really gives them a voice and gives them ability to save for their future. Uh, the ABLE accounts were passed in 2014, so this December they're going to be actually turning five years old, um, and they were passed as a result of Stephen Back Jr. achieving a Better Life Experience uh, Act of 2014. Uh, they came to New Jersey uh, in June of 2018 with the announcement from the DHS Commissioner Carol Johnson of um, launching of New Jersey ABLE accounts. Um, within the uh, state government, within New Jersey state government, DHS, DDD, and DBS have a piece in promoting these New Jersey ABLE accounts. So is this a national program, or how is that implemented? I mean, is this available in every state, or... Um or just certain states? Do you know? Well, you Kirk, that's, yeah. that's a great question. Um, currently, uh, the program is available in 42 states mm -hmm. and uh, the District of Columbia. But uh, in, even if uh, your state uh, is not participating in the ABLE accounts, many states take out-of-state uh, participants as well. So even before uh, ABLE came to New Jersey, a lot of uh, people with disabilities were able to take advantage of, for example, Pennsylvania ABLE accounts, PA ABLE, mm -hmm. um, to be able to save for their future. Oh, so that's good to know. So, so this information is valuable regardless of whether your particular state might have it because you can use it from other states as well. That's great. Um, so what is, what is this account? Can you explain a little bit about what it is and, uh, and who can benefit sure. from it? Um, so as I said earlier, the ABLE accounts um, were signed into law on December 21st, 2014 uh, at that time. And it is a federal law like we discussed, so eventually it will come to all 50 states. Uh -huh. um, the ABLE accounts are a 529-style account. So most of us are familiar with 529 accounts. Those are the accounts. Uh, that were in, uh, encouraged parents and grandparents and um, guardians to save for their children for uh, utilization in college. Mm -hmm. um, but unfortunately, a lot of people uh, with disabilities could not take advantage of those because uh, it counted uh, against their means-tested benefits or they didn't have the ability to go to college or um, the diagnosis was... Uh, it, it came out later on, and there was money in there already. So these were designed sort of like 529 accounts mm -hmm. to be able to um, uh, assist the people with disabilities, individuals with disabilities that depend on Medicaid to have access to maintain their health, independence, and, and really quality of life. And for the most part, uh, Having a New Jersey ABLE account, or really any ABLE account, but New Jersey ABLE account will not affect a person's eligibility for Medicaid, uh, Workforce New Jersey, Medicaid's New Jersey Workability Program, or New Jersey SNAP. Um, so th this is really great news for bringing people out of poverty. 
Right, because I mean, typically when you go on Medicaid, don't you have to? I mean, we hear about people saying, "Hey, I want, I'm just going to at the end of my life, near the end." I mean, you hear about those older people like, "Well, I'm not going to worry about you know saving for care because I'm just going to spend down and go on Medicaid." But you have to spend down pretty significantly, right? You only can have a, like literally like a couple thousand dollars max, right? Isn't it like almost really to nothing? Exactly, Curtis. So, so you, you can only have uh, when going on regular Medicaid or NJ family. Um, care you can only have up to two thousand dollars in total net worth resources. Mm-hmm. Um, what this does is really it levels the playing field, and that leads us directly into the next topic, which is the eligibility. Mm-hmm. Um, the eligibility for these accounts, the onset of the disability had to manifest itself before the age of twenty-six. Uh, the person, the individual, um, has to be receiving. Uh, either supplemental security income, social security uh, supplemental income, or social security disability income, or more commonly known as SSDI or SSI. Or the individual must meet social security's criteria regarding significant functional limitations, um, which in essence means that even if the person is not receiving uh, SSI or SSDI, uh, the person has a significant medically determinable either physical or mental impairment that manifested itself or started prior to age 26. Um, the person would have to uh, either self-certified at the time of opening account, but they should have a written uh, disability-related diagnosis from their own physician or neurologist or a psychologist or whatever the disability is. So really, that's the eligibility criteria for these accounts. So do you find that a lot of people are aware of this and how difficult? I mean, I know sometimes people complain, like, if they get on, like, disability with Social Security as an example, it seems like it's a pretty high bar sometimes. I mean, what, how do you find this to be as far as people that you think might need these services and then them going and get, you know, getting the doctors. You mentioned physical as well as mental health uh, disabilities as well. So that, that covers, that can cover quite a range of individuals in that case. So are we it, finding it, people are it, seeking this out that are eligible or is this uh, not very well known? Curse, uh, un- unfortunately it is, it's not very well known. And, and that's why I'm so happy that you are having us on, on your uh, radio program right now, because it's important to get the word out about these wonderful accounts. It is estimated that between eight and nine million people nationwide uh, are eligible for these accounts uh, based on uh, disability uh, that, that uh, they're aware of. But unfortunately, up to date, about only 41,000 have taken advantage of uh, opening these accounts. So it is not very well known. Um, and it, it's, a, it's a matter of getting the word out, especially in New Jersey, because it's fairly new. Uh, it just started a year ago, and um, it, it, it's critical that we get the word out to everybody, uh, that anybody that thinks they're uh, eligible for these accounts really can um, you know, uh, go on the uh, website, which we'll discuss a little later on, mm-hmm. or a call and they'll have the information that they need as to how to apply 
and uh, you know what the eligibility criteria is. But I want to get into yeah. the benefits, yeah. uh, really, def- uh, the, the meat and potatoes of um, the New Jersey ABLE account. Yeah, we're we're going to definitely do that right after the break. I know there's a lot more information on this, but uh, David, we really appreciate you coming on and talk about this. So we'll come back in just a few minutes, and we'll kind of get into the meat and potatoes, as you said, of exactly what this is all about. We'll be right back. It's not about the money, money, money. It's all about how you manage your money. Now let's get back to learning how from Kurt Baker of Certified Wealth Management and Investment with Master Your Finances. Welcome back. You're listening to Master Your Finances. I'm Kurt Baker, Certified Financial Planner Professional. I'm here with David uh, Vinokurov, and we're uh, talking about the uh, ABLE program, uh, which is a relatively new, but not too new. It's been around for about five years on a federal level, and it's just starting to work its way down to the states. And David was saying it's, it's available in about 42 states, and eventually all states will have it. And the program, uh, they estimate about 8 to 9 million people are eligible for this program, and only about 41,000 are currently taking advantage of it. So there's a big disconnect, and it's a way that people that uh, may be disadvantaged and uh, are on Medicaid can actually save a little bit of money and have a little bit of money to enjoy life a little bit and kind of pull them out of poverty. So the program is a great program for those people that it fits, but one of the big issues is it's just not well understood or well known and we're going to try today to get a little more information out there about what the program is and who might benefit from it. And in the last segment, you kind of described it. And now we're going to kind of get into that, uh, you know, the meat and potatoes, so to speak, exactly what's in, in there and uh, why it's important that people are aware of it. David, you want to pick up and let us know? Sure, Kurt. Thank you again. Uh, so what are the benefits um, of having and opening a New Jersey ABLE account? The, the accounts open, uh, offer tax-deferred growth potential, um, and uh, it, that's a wonderful thing. And this is, again, based on or modeled on the 529 college savings account. Um, a, and as long as the money is used for qualified disability uh, expenses by this individual or the family members, the money can be withdrawn tax-free as well. So it's really, uh, again, it's similar to Roth IRAs, Roth 401ks, or 529 plans, where the money grows tax-deferred and as well, and the money can be withdrawn tax-free as long as it's used for these qualified disability expenses. And a little further down in our presentation, we're going to discuss what those qualified disability expenses are and how they can benefit uh, the uh, individual who owns this account, the one that's experiencing a disability. Uh, again, the other great benefit is that it doesn't affect eligibility for SSI, Supplemental Security Income, Medicaid, or any other public uh, benefit as long as uh, you're in compliance with Social Security and IRS conditions. Um, the cost of establishing a New Jersey ABLE account is considerably less than either special needs trust, SNTs, which a lot of uh, people in the disability community are familiar with, or pooled income trust. So the, 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 the cost is really minimal, which is important because more of your money uh, is working harder for you in, in terms of your savings and growing your account. Uh, and also the account fees and setup minimum, minimums are extremely low. Um, so that's another great benefit of, of uh, owning a New Jersey ABLE account. 
So they've done their best to keep yeah. those expenses way, way, way down and, and simplified the process, it sounds like. So um, it's not it's not scary. I mean, when we talk about these special need trusts, over, there's a process, right? That's where advisors like myself get involved and attorneys get involved, and we set these things up, and they're fantastic vehicles. Um, however, if somebody doesn't have the resources to go out and set all of this up, this is another way to do it um, for significantly lower expenses, is my understanding, correct? Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly, Kurt. Exactly. The expenses are very low, and you do not need a professional um, to set this up. It, it, it's, it's, it's really any individual, a parent, guardian, grandparent can set this up, or the individual themselves uh, can set up um, one of these accounts. Uh, it's very simple. Uh, again, my personal uh, observation. Uh, my daughter and I, we set up this account in less than 15 minutes Wow! Um, right online. So yeah. it, it's very simple. It's intuitive. And uh, as I mentioned, the fees are extremely low. And all that's great. The one thing you, you did mention early on, and I want to make sure people understand this part of it, is that the disability has to onset by 26 right now, correct? Um, so that's, it is. It, right. there is a, an age restriction kind of as far as how. So how does that kind of work and, and what? What does that really mean as far as uh, practicality? And are there potentially any changes? That, that seems, to me, that seems kind of young um, as far as an onset of a disability. Lots of people have disabilities later on in life, for sure. Um, so is there any thought about that changing at all, or is this kind of the way it is for now? Uh, well, Curtis, absolutely. That's, that's, a great, uh, that's a great question. So a lot of disabilities do not manifest themselves prior to age 26. So let's say uh, you have, uh, you're experiencing schizophrenia at age 30. Mm-hmm. Well, right. unfortunately, because it didn't manifest before age 26, you're sort of out of luck right now the way the law is written. There is, there is a, a very strong proposal uh, before Congress to change that law uh, to age 46. Mm-hmm. So a lot of our veterans that are coming back from various wars. Um, a lot of people experiencing schizophrenia later on in life, or people that just have accidents or other, uh, you know, su- such as let's say traumatic brain injury, TBI, uh, that manifests itself later on. Uh, there is a proposal to make it under 46. Okay. Uh, so that that would include an additional, they estimate about seven to eight million people on top of the eight to nine million that are potentially eligible now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that that is a, that's a great question, and hopefully that will be expanded to those individuals itself them the, as well. Well, that's good to hear because it sounds like a great concept for as again for the for the right fit, and I, I think it's fantastic to kind of meet that. You know, it's kind of an unnet meet in my view because the. That's one of the issues that I've seen with the people that don't pull themselves out of poverty. There's a hard, it's hard to save, right? So how do you get from the poverty stage to kind of being self-sufficient if you can't have any stepping stones to get there? And this, this sounds like it's a good, you know, a good stepping stone in that process. Because that's a habit. And it's a great thing to get started. And, and so as far as the expenses go, you, you mentioned, like, um, they have to be qualified expenses. I know when you have a 529, you have to use it for education and things like that, right? Um, what, you know, do you have any idea? Can you explain a little bit about what that means and what uh, would qualify as an expense or what they can or can't use it for? Sure, a- absolutely, Kurt. So these uh, qualified disability expenses or QEDs, um, QDEs, um, and, and the following is not an all-encompassing list. There is a full list uh, on the IRS website and the Social Security website. Uh, because those are the two really governing uh, uh, federal government agencies that oversee this. But just to give you an example, 
Um, let's say a person wants to use this money for education, mm-hmm. uh, to go to college, to go to uh, you know a trade school or anything else. They can certainly do that uh, and save again above the two thousand dollars, which previously would have disqualified them from any means-tested program. They can use these this this money for housing, for transportation. Let's say they want to uh, buy a car or a specially equipped van or anything of that nature, they can do that as well. If they want additional employment training and support, um, they can use that money for training and support. Any kind of assistive technology, let's say they want, you know, VOIP or they need, uh, you know, specially equipped iPads um, and, and things of that nature, they can certainly save and, and use that technology use those funds to buy that new, the newest technology available, whether it's hardware, software, or anything of that nature. Uh, if they need personal assistance, um, you know, hiring a person uh, on top of what the government uh, provides, they can do that. They can use that money for various health and prevention and wellness. Let's say they have a specialized gym or a, a pool that they want to go to, or there's a special sports program that they would benefit by and Medicaid, let's say, or their private insurance doesn't cover, they can certainly use that money. They can use that money for financial management and administrative costs, which in certain instances that's above and beyond uh, what we're talking about. They can certainly use that. They can use that for legal fees. They can use that for additional funeral and burial expenses. Currently, the laws are uh, within SSI. You can only have up to $1,500 for burial expenses and for Medicaid. And as we all know, those expenses tend to run a lot more than $1,500. Oh, yeah. So that can be used for that, uh, for, for, those, uh, uh, for that money. And that's just, uh, you know, a brief list of these qualified disability expenses that the money can be used for. It, there's an extensive, extensive list that the, the money uh, can be used for. The key to this as well is to keep good records. You really need to document every single expense uh, and every single uh, purchase that you make that in the event that uh, IRS or Social Security um, has a review with you, you, can be, you would be able to show them that the money from, uh, from the ABLE account was indeed used for qualified disability expenses. Well, that that's fantastic. I appreciate you going through all of that. And I think as anything, when you're dealing with the IRS, the Social Security Administration, make sure you keep really, really good records because when they come in, they really appreciate that. And they're going to go a lot easier on you, so to speak, if you can back up everything that you've been saying and show that you're holding the records in the right way. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about like how do you fund the account and how is it managed and things like that? Because, uh, you know, once you have the investment vehicle, you know, what exactly can you do with it? When we come back, we'll just talk a little bit about that. We'll be right back. It's, not about the money, money, money. it's all about how you manage your money. Now let's get back to learning how from Kurt Baker of Certified Wealth Management and Investment with Master Your Finances. Welcome back. You're listening to Master Your Finances. I'm Kurt Baker. I'm here with the uh, uh, David Vinokurov, and we're talking about the uh, ABLE account, which uh, is very interesting and I think uh, not well understood and not well disseminated as far as the information goes. And David's kind enough to be kind of an advocate and really going out there and and holding the torch and trying to to put a little light on this program and helping people to get connected with it, that it might help. 
And I think it's it's great, and I appreciate you going through that because it sounds like it's set up a lot like, as you were saying, like the 529 plan. It's really set up specifically for people with uh, physical and mental health uh, disabilities, and that way they don't they may be on Medicaid, but you still would be nice to have a little money to do the things that you want to do. And in the past, you had to really rely on all your friends and families to kind of do it on your behalf. You couldn't have any money in your name, literally. Uh, otherwise, you, you would be disqualified for the program, which kind of sounds a little little tough on the individuals that are trying to deal with these things because it's tough to be uh, at that state. So I'm really glad that they've got something here to help people do that. So how do you um, fund these? Now, we're dealing with somebody that might be on Medicaid, right? So how do they fund the account? Can other people fund the account for them? And then once there's money in there, uh, I guess, how much can they put in? And then what do you do or how do you invest it at that point? Okay, great. Yeah, another great question, Kurt. Thank you. So, um the basic account information in terms of the uh, maximum annual contribution, um, the total contribution can be up to $15,000 uh, in 2019. Mm-hmm. And, and again, that's similar to and based on the 529 accounts that we mentioned earlier. Um, the maximum account balance in New Jersey can go up to $305,000. This really varies by state. And this could change with various laws in the future to account for um, various, uh, you know, changes in, um, in 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 the value of money and uh, and and things of that nature. But right now, it's the account can go up to three hundred five thousand in New Jersey, and the account, in order to stay um, eligible for SSI payments, you can have up to a hundred thousand dollars in these able accounts, um, and this is federally. Um, and your benefits, the SSI benefits, will not be terminated. Medicaid will continue as long as you have under $305,000. Um, there's also uh, a Medicaid payback, similar to various other options. In the event um, the eligible individual passes away, uh, they, uh, any money paid out by uh, New Jersey Medicaid or Medicaid in general would have to go back to the state. Uh, the state would file a claim for those funds. But in terms of funding the, this account, the individual themselves can fund this account if they work. A lot of disabled individuals work, and they've always had to spend their money uh, to stay well on the $2,000. Even if they didn't need it, even if they wanted to save for their future, they really couldn't do this legally. Now, if, if they work, they can put that money away. They can also obtain, similar to 529, either from their parents, guardians, loved ones. Anybody can contribute uh, as long as the total annual contribution uh, is under $15,000 um, and uh, they're mindful of various gift tax implications from the IRS per individual. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the funding can come from various sources for these accounts. And it, and it really does. Uh, a, I had mentioned earlier that about 41,000, 42,000 individuals uh, have already taken advantage of these ABLE accounts. The amount of money under management right now is about $225 million. So uh, it, it's, uh, although we're trying to spread the word, it, it's getting there. It's really getting there. And people are definitely, the ones that know about these accounts are really funding this to, the, to, their, um, to their maximum. 
Well, that's fantastic, and it, it's almost like the, it's lining up with the gift uh, amounts, right? So it's uh, it's very interesting how that's working, but it's only one account, right? Well, I want to make sure it's clear about that. You can't set up four or five of these and have different people fund up to 15000 right? So you have to make sure you that, keep the total. That's, that's, that's correct, Kurt. Right. Kind of like the IRA situation. Similar. Right, right, okay. Very similar to 529 accounts. Mm -hmm. You can only have one account at a time. It it doesn't have to be, as I mentioned earlier, in your own state. So even, you know, you might want to look at other states that may provide different options or um, things of that nature. Um, but you can only have one account at a time, similar to the 529 account. Oh, okay. Interesting. So you can literally shop the states is what you're doing? Like we uh, was very popular with the 529s. You can go out and go to whatever state, right? and decide which one maybe works best for you. Interesting. Okay, that's good. That's good to know, um, to get out there and kind of look around and see. Because you said there were, I think you said there were 41 states that currently offer them, I believe you said, something like that. Is that right? Somewhere 42. in that range. Yep. 42. 42. Okay, 42 states. states. And District of Columbia. Oh, yep. the District of Columbia. So that's that's quite a few options already available, it sounds like. So, so that's great. So now once you have the funds in there, um, are they restricted? Or, or is there, how, how does the investment side of it work? I mean, since that's where I come from, that end of it. So is it... Is it flexible? Can you decide what you want, or do they have them like set up in certain like buckets that you can choose from, almost like a four hundred one k plan, where they kind of pre decide what your choices are, things like that? So, kind of, how does that work as far as from the investment side goes? Yeah, Kurt. So, uh, definitely, there are numerous investment opportunities, um, and that's again, that's where uh, the value of a certified financial planner comes in as well. That if the person is not financially savvy. A, financial, a certified financial planner may be able to guide them in terms of their uh, investment options, even within ABLE. And that's one of the uh, financial management fees is one of the qualified disability expenses that a person can use that money to, uh, to pay somebody to provide assistance if they're not able to do it themselves or their family members. So some of the uh, vehicles or instruments that uh, are available to uh, within ABLE accounts, and right now we're talking New Jersey ABLE accounts because, mm -hmm. again, there's various different states. But within, um, within New Jersey, there's, uh, you have a checking option, which is probably uh, going to be fairly popular for people that are not um, – you know, financially savvy or don't have somebody to guide them, they want may want to start off with a checking option, mm -hmm. which is provided through Fifth, uh, fifth Third Bank checking. And it's an FDIC-insured uh, checking account. It, it lets people uh, withdraw money using a debit card. Uh, you can write checks. You can write electronic checks. Um, as long as they keep uh, a monthly balance um, of a certain amount, there, um, there's not going to be any kind of fees for that. Or if they sign up for paperless statements, uh, there also is a very reduced fees. They have access to over 50,000 fee-free ATM machines, um, and there's no overdraft or non-sufficient fund fees. Um, they can do all of this uh, online or through mobile banking. Um, they have a very good app that you can use, and you can check your balances. Uh, my daughter is constantly on, on, on that app, uh, checking her balance and, and, and stuff and seeing how uh, her account uh, is going up or down, uh, depending on what the market does. Mm -hmm. uh, but with this checking account, it's completely FDIC insured, up to the maximum amount 
permitted by law. And there is a little bit of interest paid on the on these accounts. And again, they're taxed. At least the checking account is tax advantage. And as long as you uh, use the money for qualified disability expenses, uh, it's tax free uh, when you use that money. Again, uh, word of caution: please keep good receipts uh, and uh, a good paper trail to make sure that you're able to provide that to any government agency that may need or may ask you for those um, for those receipts. It, it sounds like this is fairly liquid. So I have a, a, a kind of a, a, a so if I let's say um, you know I'm, I, I have a disability, I'm putting money to this account. Is it the net that I put in during the year? So let's say I put in twenty but spend five, and I end up with fifteen net added. Does, is that the way they look at it, or is that I added fifth, you know, or can I only add fifteen and then I took out the five? I mean, how does how does that contribution work? Is it like a net because con- you're spending money too if it's a checking account, right? If you're using the debit machine and you're putting money into it, so you know, my, my what I'm thinking is is like if I work, I'd have like de- direct deposit, but I was like, hey, look, I can't make more than a net contribution of X dollars this year, but in the meantime, I'm actually doing a contribution, or do I have to just? decide um, and split my check and say, here's how much I'm going to put in savings in my uh, ABLE account, and here's how much I'm going to keep outside of it because I want to make sure I don't accidentally overfund my ABLE account through my work, right? Yeah, Kurt, it's the latter. Uh, Actually, we're going to discuss uh, regarding work, but there's something, there's another feature that they just added for this year, for 2019, for people that, for disabled people that, that work, they can put additional funds into that account. Um, but it, it, it's the it's the what you mentioned in the latter. It's total fifteen thousand dollars. In other words, it's not if you put in twenty and then you use five, it, it totals fifteen. Okay. You can only put in up to fifteen thousand. So you really need to make sure you're managing that correctly. Right. Um, and that's again where uh, you know a disabled person may want to uh, discuss that with their parent, their guardian, or their certified financial planner to make sure that they don't overfund these accounts because there could be an IRS penalty for overfunding this account similar to a 529 or an IRA where you're not allowed to go over a certain limit. Okay, excellent. Well, that was fantastic. Uh, we got a lot more to talk about and we'll have one more segment, but David, appreciate it very much. We're going to be right back. It's all about how you manage your money. Now let's get back to learning how from Kurt Baker of Certified Wealth Management and Investment with Master Your Finances. Welcome back. You're listening to Master Your Finances. I'm Kurt Baker, Certified Financial Planner Professional. I'm here with David uh, Vinokurov, and uh, he is a Social Security Navigator uh, Specialist. uh, And uh, we're talking about the ABLE accounts that are out there, and there, there are quite a few states. I believe you said 42 states plus the District of Columbia, and way underutilized, and we're trying to get the word out so that those where it's appropriate, uh, people take advantage of these accounts and use them because it is a way to save. Even if somebody is on Medicaid, uh, you can save some money, and your family can help, and you can have some uh, extra living expenses and so forth. And we talked about in the last segment, setting up a checking account and, and kind of putting the money in, it has to be the amount you deposit is the 15000 a year. You can't, it's not the net, it's the gross, so to speak. So, how, so you have to make sure you budget correctly and don't over uh, contribute. That way you're going to exceed the requirements. You may have some penalties, but there's a little bit more than just the checking account, right? You can do other things other than just putting it into the checking account. So you want to talk a little bit about some of the other options that are out there as far as uh, specific, I guess, New Jersey, Able. I guess each state's a little bit different, but what's available here in New Jersey? Sure, Kurt. So a New Jersey ABLE account has investment choices for every uh, investor. 
And there's a range of professionally managed uh, investment portfolios as well. So some of the other uh, portfolios that people can take advantage of besides the checking account um, is aggressive option, moderately aggressive option, a growth option, a moderate option, a conservative and a conservative option. Um, these uh, funds, it's basically a fund of funds uh, for each of those segments that I mentioned. And they are within those buckets. They are managed by well-known uh in financial industry uh, companies such as Vanguard, Schwab, um, iShares, and BlackRock. So depending on which uh, portfolio you may want to choose, um, the, for instance, the aggressive option has 90% of, it, uh, of its assets in stocks and 10% of it in bonds. And as you go down the line to the conservative option, which has the opposite sort of. It has 10% in stocks, 30% in uh, investment-grade bonds, and 60% in cash. So anywhere, depending on what type of investment investor you are, um, you, you have uh, various choices and opportunities to really uh, grow, uh, grow your investment and, um, and, and hopefully see a significant increase in, in, um, in what you've put in and what you've invested. Now, you had mentioned that I guess there's a cap of, I think you said 305000 I know we're early into the program stage, and I doubt anybody's hit that number yet. But if my investment exceeds that amount, what, what starts to happen at that point? Let's say 20 years from now. Uh, I've been doing really well. I've been putting away my $15,000 a year, and I'm making a very good return. And all of a sudden, I start getting up near those, those caps. I mean, what technically would happen these days? Do they have to spend that money at that point? Or can they – yeah. Exactly. At, at that point, it, it's really advisable that before you get to 305000 um, or depending on what the limit will be at that time, right. um, I don't think anybody has hit 100000 yet right. uh, so far. Uh, but, but certainly you would have to spend it on those qualified disability expenses that we discussed to make sure that you stay within the limit and continue receiving your uh, um, at least your Medicaid benefits. Right. Uh, through the three hundred and five thousand dollars, and honestly, you could plan all that out because, as you know, they typically will change these limits and they'll change the program, and you can modify your contributions and modify what you're doing too. So there's other things that we could do as well. But I was just curious if you happen to, you know, that's that's a mistake nobody's going to make for a very long time, so to speak. But it's important to at least understand how it works, I think. But the the I think it's really great that if you actually have somebody that otherwise wouldn't have a lot of assets that can now actually participate in the market and see a little bit of growth in their in their funds to me from a, from just from a mental health and a physical from a standpoint of your health it's kind of nice to know you have a few dollars in the bank right Kurt, absolutely and i'll give you a personal you know my daughter invested in the aggressive option which we discussed that's mm-hmm. 90% stock and 10% um bonds uh, a, a, she has seen a significant increase in her uh, a, in her portfolio, uh, which she tracks day to day. That she loves to look at day to day. But she has seen a significant increase in that. And uh, in the past, uh, I've always been able to invest for other kids, but not for her. And now she's able to participate, just like every other child um, or an adult. Uh, in 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 uh, the market uh, in the in the financial market, so that's that's a very liberating uh, type of thing for people with disabilities. 
that they can do anything, including be able to, uh, you know, set aside some money for investments. And uh, if certainly if they don't have the guidance, um, they can use, uh, you know, services of a financial planner or another trusted advisor mm-hmm. um, or their accountant or, you know, somebody that they can trust to kind of guide them through these uh, great um, you know, financial choices and options that are now available to them. I oh, know that's fantastic. I know before the break we talked a little bit about this. Maybe we can expand on it. Is there some other options available to those who are actually employed and some things that are coming out now that maybe should be, people should be aware of as far as other options that the employed have as far as contributions go and so forth? A- absolutely, Kurt. So uh, people that are employed, and, the, and these changes and updates were made just in this year, in 2019, uh, people that are working with disabilities, they can put in an additional $12,140 on top of the 15000 So for a total of about $27,140 into their ABLE accounts. So besides the regular contributions from maybe parents um, or a little inheritance or savings, um, they can put in directly $12,140 from their employer um, and uh, and be able to save uh, even more than the fifteen thousand dollar limit that we discussed. So that that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. In addition, uh, the uh, contributions to able accounts, the people that work, um, they may be able to uh, participate in the IRS savers credit, which uh, which is a credit. It's a tax tax savings credit of up to two thousand dollars. Again, they would need to speak to their financial advisor or their um, accountant, uh, CPA, to make sure if they're eligible and they're able to take advantage of this additional IRS savers credit for $2,000. That's on top of the money that we already discussed. So that's another way of savings. I mean, what if my employer, as an example, offered a retirement account, like a 401k plan as an example? How would that be affected um, in 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 this case? For these contributions, that could affect uh, that could affect your able. So you really have to make sure um, you really have to make sure whether you're able to participate in able account. If your employer offers, uh, you know, a 401k or 403b or 457 or TSP type of uh, fund, you may not be able to participate in the able account. So you really want to check that out beforehand. Uh, unfortunately, because a lot of people with disabilities uh, either work part-time or in jobs that do not provide um, any type of retirement savings, uh, the, the ABLE account is really their only way to save for their future and mm-hmm. for their retirement. That is the only way, whereas in the, in the past they, could no, they had nothing. Right, right. No, so it's good to know, but it's. But you're right. I know a lot of people that have disabilities, and they do work part time, and they, actually that makes them feel very good about themselves. Frankly, is it's important to me. Work is a very therapeutic, right? You get out, you do things for other people, you get paid. I mean, it's 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 a nice thing. And when somebody's unable to do that, I don't think that helps. It's. It, I think it's better when people can actually get out and, and you know, and do something and feel good about themselves. And this is another way to help them save, right? Um, Absolutely. And and again, people with disabilities, they want to be treated just like everybody else. And just like everybody else wants to get up in the morning and go to work 
and, and, and again, maybe save or plan for the future. Now they can do that, whereas before they can never plan for the future. They always had to plan, how do I spend the, uh, you know, the, the few dollars that I've been able to save? How do I spend it so that I, I don't lose my benefits? Mm-hmm. Now they don't have to worry about that because up to at least $100,000 for SSI and Medi- uh, for SSI and up to three hundred five thousand dollars for Medicaid, they can do all their uh, future planning, um, you know, just like everybody else. No, and I think it's great. And and I think one of the things you point out in the presentation was that you can they can systematize this a little bit, so they can set up automatic contributions and automatic. I mean, you can you can automate a little bit of this too, right? So it's very friendly from a tech standpoint. It sounds like. Is that right? Extremely friendly. It's extremely friendly. You can uh, do automatic uh, deposits or automatic withdrawals. Um, y- you know, uh, it's it, it, it's really wonderful um, how how easy it is to set up. As I said, it takes about ten to fifteen minutes to set up, and 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 you're good to go to on your on the road to investing and saving money for your future. And can you use any the any retroactive? Um income from uh, Social Security and so forth, can that be used at all for this? Is that? Absolutely. That's a great question, Kurt. Normally, in the past, uh, if a person uh, that applied for SSI or SSDI received a large retroactive uh, or back payment, uh, they had had only nine months to use that money, nine calendar months to use that money. Now, as long as it's under $15,000, they can put that money away uh, for their future into this April account, or if they're towards the end of the year, they can. If it's a larger than fifteen thousand, they can split that and put it for one year. Let's say for twenty nineteen and then twenty twenty. If it's over the the fifteen thousand that they received retroactively, so that's a great way to use that money. Other than just spending it for items that you may not need, you save it for your future and you you invest in your future. Well, David, this has been absolutely fantastic. We appreciate you coming on and kind of going through all the specifics of this. And uh, I definitely think you're you're doing a good thing by getting the word out and helping everybody. Doing. We're, we're glad it could be a little bit part, a little part of that to help you with that. Uh, you've been listening to Master Your Finances, and I'm Kurt Baker, Certified Financial Planner Professional. Uh, you can listen to this podcast and all the podcasts by going to uh, masteryourfinances.us. And remember that together we can master your finances so you can enjoy financial peace of mind. It's hard to keep up with the fast-paced financial world, but because of Master Your Finances, you have a head start. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Master Your Finances with Kurt Baker, our certified financial planner professional, only on 107.7 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. Tune in next week, Sunday at 9 a.m. to get a boost on your financial planning. But if you missed a week, you can check out past episodes. Just go to masteryourfinances.us to check out past episodes and more. Master Your Finances is underwritten by Certified Wealth Management and Investment LLC. Money doesn't grow on trees, but it can grow your portfolio. Thanks to Kurt Baker and Master Your Finances. On Sundays at 9 a.m. Exclusively on 1077 The Bronx and 1077 thebronccom